What's spring like in Park City, Utah? Imagine waking up on a bluebird day to ski the greatest snow on earth at two world-class resorts, Park City Mountain and Deer Valley. Exploring miles of wide open spaces by snowshoe or cross-country skis. Wandering our historic Main Street with its Opry ski scene and award-winning restaurants. When you love it like we love it, Park City, Utah will always be winter's favorite town. Join the experience at visitparkcity.com. This episode of Bullshit Breakaway is brought to you by you, the fans. Go to patreon.com slash Bullshit Breakaway today. Get our instant reaction to Vladimir Tarasenko becoming a ranger. We got over 120 new Patreons last week. Uh, can't thank you enough, honestly. Just crazy. Very, very cool. On uh, today's show, we have Shayna Goldman. You ever heard of her? Insider for the NHL. We'll talk all things Vladimir Tarasenko, New York Ranger Trades, Vitaly Kraftsoff, and more. Greg and I will do that ourselves as well, and also do some five-star questions. So without further ado, thank you again, seriously, for all the support. Um, not to get emotional, but it's been weird to do this show for like seven and a half years and still be surprised sometimes. Crazy. I think this team is loaded. I really, like, I can't think of a better Ranger week than the last week, other than obviously winning a great playoff game in Game 7. But it's very hard to have a regular season week just as exciting as that was. So without further ado, let's get to Mark Messier and start the show. Hi everybody, it's Mark Messier, and you're listening to Blue Shirts Breakaway, the number one Rangers podcast. Hey, Bush Break fans, welcome. Welcome to the week of the Bushes Breakaway. I am your host, Ryan Mead, and I'm here with my co-host, Greg Kaplan. Greg Kaplan, Greg Kaplan, oh my god, Greg Kaplan, say Ouch. hello and, and stop holding. Uh, <laughs> it was correctly called play. I'm just going to say it. As someone that had Chiefs 8, Eagles 5, it was a correctly called play. I, I think that game ended exactly how it was supposed to. What is holding? What is a catch? What is goalie interference? What is love? Baby, don't hurt me. Thank you, Hockey Statminer, for that joke. Uh... Boy, I guess we'll start off hot. Vladimir Tarasenko is a New York Ranger. If you want to hear our instant reactions on Patreon, nice ad right at the rip here, Ryan. But uh, we were baffled. We were uh, couldn't believe it at the moment. Excited, thrilled, awesome times. And now Vladimir Tarasenko scored a goal as a New York Ranger. Like, was it two minutes and 50 seconds into his career with the Rangers? I heard it was 210 seconds. Great. He... uh, he looks great. Then all of a sudden, it was like, he's going to play with Panarin. Move down, second game. We're going to get into a lot of that as well. But overall, uh, I, I was mean, about to say, you said we were going to start happy. And it well, I'm, like stop, I'm, let's get to it later. Let's get to it later. We're starting happy. The trade was good. The, yeah. uh, listen, Chris Drury, since, since some of the questionable deals he made at the start of his career as the Rangers GM, has been nothing but, I mean, a... In terms of trades, A+. plus. It's really hard for me to say he hasn't been A+, plus, well, which is so rare. There, I have like, like no criticism at all over trading Hunter Skinner, a conditional a conditional pick, a first, the lower of each one, which is incredible that he got to do that. And then also, uh, I mean, got rid of Sammy Blay. I, how did he do that? I have no clue. Yeah, in-season in Drury is the Tampa Bay Rays, where if he's calling you, just hang up the phone and figure out what it is that Drury likes in your guy and try to get the most out of it. Um, yeah, no, I, like, it, it, we were thrilled when it happened. I think we were kind of laughing to ourselves when it happened. It was one of those deals. Well, because it's insane. Sammy Blaze. Well, <laughs> you, it's not just that it was insane. It's just like, 
they didn't give up anything when you think about it. it the people that are, you know, peeing their pants a little bit because the Rangers now go from having two first-round picks to one in what is considered to be a really good draft. I have news for you. The Rangers are keeping the better of the first-round picks. So and, calm down. And you're trying to win a cup. Which, yeah. by the way, we're going to talk about later in the uh, – Shana Goldman joins us, one of our favorite guests of all time, and maybe one of the most recurring guests of all time on this podcast. But we talk about later you one, one of, if not the most talented New York Ranger roster ever – Ever. And you're going to worry about one first-round pick? Have you looked at first-round drafts over the last five years? Go through yourself and see how many people have worked out. It's a way less than you would, you consider. Shit. I mean, the Rangers are trying to trade one of theirs right now. But again, we'll get into that in <laughs> a little time. bit. Um, but it's just like every bit of that trade, It as the details came out, it became more and more unbelievable. Where like, first they got Tarasenko and you're excited. But you go through that entire moment where it's like, all right, but... What does this trade actually mean? What are we giving up? How excited can I be? Yeah, because the they're retaining 50%. You're like, oh, I'm a, that I'm a little was, afraid. That was the first news that came out. The Blues are retaining money. And we're like, holy shit. All right, they must have given up a truckload if the Blues are retaining money. And then the second bit that comes out is the Rangers are also getting Nico Mikola. And you're like, oh, God. All right. This is a big – this is a whopper. Just get the PK music queued up. This yeah, one so might be bad. At this point, you and I are kind of sitting around like, okay, Jones is involved. Kraftsov is involved. And well, we definitely – we, we knew Kraftsov. Like, it, in the moment, we were being told Kraftsov was involved. So it's not just, like, us assuming his involvement. It's people that are connected are like, oh, yeah, look at all they're getting. They are absolutely trading Kraftsov, whether you like it or not. And at that point, I'm sitting there like, yeah, I mean, look at all they're getting. Like – they don't need Kravtsov if they're getting Tarasenko. So this is starting to make some sense to me that he would be involved in this deal. And then the details come out. Sammy Blay was the first player you saw in there. Which, One, funny. Two, which, by the way, like I, I thought it was fake. <laughs> like, well, like, One of the funniest tweets I've ever seen. I, I thought it was real. I was like, oh, they're really making salaries work. It was another moment where I thought to myself, this is hilarious. But also, boy, the Rangers are going to have to give up quite a bit in this deal if this is all that they're doing. And then it comes out like... The next bit that came out before you even saw the entire package, I think the thing that's gotten overlooked, they waved Hayek. Like, it just, it, as we're waiting for this trade package to come down, Friedman comes in being like, on waivers, Hayek, NYR. And we're like, what? Is this what? a national holiday? It, it, was, a- it was last week the most insane week of Ranger hockey since we've, we've covered this team. I mean, everything, it was like a fever dream, especially Friday <laughs> night. Like, it was well, like the th- lines Thursday, came out. Thursday, they were perfect. Thursday into Friday, that thirty-six hour stretch, I think, is the closest we're ever going to get to world peace. Um, <laughs> it was unbelievable. Like, yeah, like because again, the trade happens. You don't give up anything. Hayek gets waived. The next day, you see the the warm up lines where Kravtsov is magically back in the lineup. Where we all like the second the Tarasenko trade happened, whether he was included in the deal or not, I think most Ranger fans just reserved themselves to a fact that Kravtsov is going away soon. But the fact that you then see him in the lineup, you're like, oh my God, Like I, I can smell colors. This is incredible. Then the game happens. Tarasenko immediately scores. It's an electric game where the Rangers seemingly are piling in goals left, right, and from wherever. And then we all went to bed. And I think that was the real problem there. We all should have just stayed up. Should have just kept going. Because, uh, but let me just uh, just to recap the last week because we don't really do game recaps a lot on this podcast. I think ten, genuinely 
everyone knows what happened. It's pretty – like, we'll talk about certain narratives with those things, but I – mean, It is crazy that the Flames game – That's what I'm saying, week. Greg. The Flames <laughs> game was last Friday – last Monday. Yeah. It was seven days ago from this recording. And that Flames game was the game of the year. Yeah, it was it pretty was, great. It was unbelievable. Yeah, and then since then, they beat the Canucks. They had the fever dream game versus the Kraken, where it's Vlad Tarasenko is a, is a Ranger. He scores, and they're up 2 nothing in, like, what, the first five minutes? The Gardens go is erupting. They're uh-huh. going absolutely crazy. And then they go to the Hurricanes. It's like, all right, the Hurricanes are up playing us, whatever. And Artemi Panarin puts four in. Four! It's like uh, the last week of being a Ranger fan has just been... I can't I can't remember a more positive outcome week where everything just worked. It was so good and it got so crazy that on power play two, they played Keandre Miller over Truba. That was the final straw. It was like, what? Hold on. What's going on? Why is Miller doing like it's it everything there was nothing to complain about until today, of course, which we got to. Well, I, I don't know. There I think the complaints started on Saturday. I mean, I still don't want to get there quite yet. No, I, it, I'm still we're, I'm still we're riding seven high. minutes in. It Yep. I, it's just – it's really weird sitting here on Monday. Imagine – that Tarasenko bonus podcast was us being really thrilled, happy about the trade. We didn't say a bad word. It's, we're if, pure manic. If, if Monday – if the Kraken game was a Monday show and we came on after that podcast, Ryan, we would be the most insufferable happy fuckers. Like it just would have been like this is, this is unreal. Igor is playing well. Halak's playing well. We finally like the three D pairs. Ben Harper's not on the ice. Heedle's on power play one. Tarasenko and Panarin. Yeah, we didn't even like... mention Heedle being on power play one. <laughs> yeah, it's just like every, <laughs> everything everything was coming up Rangers. It seemed great. We were talking our shit. The seven Hurricane fans that live out there got really annoyed. They were crying a little bit. I, I mean, that even hadn't happened yet now that I'm thinking about it. It's just like that if you could bottle up a 36-hour stretch, and like really Andy Bernard, I wish someone would tell me I'm in the good times while I'm there. Uh, that was it. We all should have taken a look around, been like, fuck, it might not get better to this than this unless we lift the cup. And it's it's just, Tarasenko being here, last year there were so many deficiencies that the Rangers had. It, it was hard doing this podcast some days because the Rangers would be on what felt like a seven-game winning streak where they were winning games three to two or two to one, and we'd have to come on the show and say shit like, "It's great that they're winning. It's great that Igor's playing out of his mind." But boy, it would be nice if they got a little help. And some people would just be out there saying, "You guys aren't enjoying this. You're being negative Nancys. Why can't you just be happy when the team wins?" Blah happy blah blah. Shit, right now. Yeah, and but like this year, even pre Tarasenko, I think we've been a little better about trying to enjoy the ride, simply because it felt like, for the most part. The Rangers had a lot of the pieces that they needed to win. Whereas last year, I mean, they needed a defenseman. They needed a, t- a top six forward. They needed a bottom six forward. They needed seven different things. You replace got- Lashishin on this team right now, and this is the most talented roster in Ranger history. <laughs> I don't know what well, else yeah, to tell you. I, I mean, it's not even replacing Phantom Jake. It's just getting a person with a pulse on <laughs> this call roster. call Phantom Jake? Yeah, I can't say his last name, so I now call him Phantom Jake. <laughs> Phantom Jake's an amazing nickname. Um, well, that's what he is. He's just like he's like an aberration, man. He he's, he doesn't exist. He's a dementor. Uh, he's he's Phantom Jake. That's oh, what he fuck, is. that's good. Um, thank you. It's one of my it's one of my finer ones. But like, this team had one thing, and it had one thing mostly because the coach decided that it had one thing. We, 
I don't know. I, at different points in the season, we thought the Rangers had a top six forward that just wasn't getting minutes. But whether we believed it or not, the coach believed this team was a top six forward short. And I think this coach, whether he believed it or not, like he, I think, is happy with Ben Harper. But Drury at least realized, like, all right, well, I'm not happy exclusively with Ben Harper playing this much. So why don't I go out and upgrade that position too? So in one deal, Drury not only gives up nothing, but he addressed the two flaws this roster had. He got a goal merchant who can play in the top six, and he got a boring-ass big boy bottom-pairing defender. Check and check. We're good. And he, by the way, he did all this while leaving himself enough wiggle room to do something else if something happens in the next three weeks. It's a master class. Like, I, we have been very hard on Drury at different times. I think more times than not, we've been fairly positive on him. But in-season Chris Drury, the guy's an A-plus GM. Like, he's crushed two deadlines in a row. And it's not even the deadline. Like, Drury beat the market. There's there's nothing you can say that is really... If anything, this should have cost the Rangers more because they didn't wait until the trade deadline when other teams could have addressed their needs. They literally beat the market. And they got one of the three best players the market had available. All And immediately after, their in-state rival tried to upgrade themselves as well. So he stole the headlines, beat the market, crushed the trade... And brought in another star. It's just, it's a, it's a really great trade, and it breaks my heart that we're going to be really pissy in about five minutes. Yeah, I get that. Let, let's let's keep the good times rolling for just a minute. I mean, in the last since the Golden Knights game, the Rangers have scored four or more every game. It's like what the offense is clicking on all cylinders. The boys to men line is absolutely insane. I mean, but Tammy Panarin looks rejuvenated. I since I mean, even with not playing with. Tarasenko in the second game that was one of the best bread games I've ever seen I mean how could you deny four goals and also he's playing a 200 foot game stealing checking back checking whatever he's he was fucking awesome the entire game and by the way kudos to Jimmy Vesey who is also playing out of his mind I cannot believe he signed that contract but I am so happy he did so everything has just been coming up Rangers and it's all been and and I think what would you say was the like if you had to do one word for last year the team what would it have been I know this is like sort of a third grade English class exercise. Pre-deadline pre or post-deadline? Uh, we'll do pre and post. I like that. Pre pre was incomplete. Yep. Like, the, the, there's no other word for it. Like, There's a reason why a team had to trade for Vetrano, Cop, Mott, and Braun. Like, they traded for four solid contributors. Uh, yep. One of which, two of which were such important contributors for the Rangers that they both cashed into long-term expensive contracts as free agents the second they left town. Like, they were incomplete. We would come on the show and say, Igor Shosturkin is the greatest thing since sliced bread, but this is a power play run offense with nothing at five-on-five. Five. They don't have the players at five-on-five. Five. Part of it was because the kids weren't ready. Part of it was because the kids weren't getting the opportunities we thought they would need. Whatever it may be, it was incomplete. After the trade deadline... I would say the one word, I, like, I was confident. Like, it was a confident team. Everything there was about an, that there team. There was an aura I, around that team. Yeah, it, but, it, like, different from how I feel about this team. Last year, I was confident. I, I, was, I was willing to believe that they were going to put in 
a shift and put in a game. They would not get embarrassed in any game, though they did get embarrassed a couple times in the playoffs, but that's neither here nor there. Like, the New York Rangers were a... They were a well-oiled machine that I felt would play a Gerard Gallant style of hockey that would make them a pest and a hard out. And that's how that team played two seven-game series and then went six games in the Eastern well, Conference Finals. I think I have the word for this year, so I'm super curious. Well, my word yeah. is unit right now. Like, they're oh, a fucking unit. They are. They are. But I think the one word that describes the entire season, from the GM to the coach to the players, is spite. It, this yes. There is spite at every level. And that spite works as motivation for every single unit in the New York Rangers. Chris Drury versus Gerard Gallant. Chris Drury versus the players. The players versus Gerard Gallant. The players versus Chris Drury. And there's there's some... sometimes sometimes the players against themselves too. Yeah, you know? that too. Spite themselves. Spite is is the word. These Rangers are spiteful. They are full of it. All of them from from the bench to the players everywhere. Yeah, the, the problem the, the problem with spite though, Ryan people. is. The problem with spite, though, is if it goes badly, it goes badly quickly. We saw that. We saw that, which is why, which is why the struggling almost got fired. And but now I, I hope and I feel like the spike can be reduced after this trade deadline, where it's sort of like, okay, we're all on the same page. And I don't want to say it's hashtag last dance. It is not. This team still has a couple years left of, of going for it. But I can't imagine them having a better shot. I, I, it's almost sickening to say this. Like this roster is so freaking good. It's so che- like there are so there are players on it that are cheap that are not going to be cheap soon. I don't know how it stays this talented. I, it might be the best shot they have. Yeah, I mean, it's impossible for them to keep everybody they have right now, and that's simply me saying that. Like, I'm I'm not saying they're going to lose multiple players, but they can't keep Tarasenko and Heedle and Lindgren and Miller. Like, someone important is going to leave this team this summer. And we will talk about it all summer. We have no business trying to figure out who the fuck that is right now. Not when the Rangers are playing as well as they're playing currently in this moment. But they will not be able to run this back. So you have to maximize your opportunity. Which, again, credit where credit is due to Chris Drury. I think he realizes this. I think Drury understands that, like, fuck. I really might not get a better shot at this. And whether he wanted Tarasenko more... Then Patrick Kane, shit, the amount of Patrick Kane articles we've read, God help us if Jury actually never wanted Patrick Kane. But say Patrick, say Jury ideally wanted Kane over Tarasenko, he realized Kane's not 100%, and he doesn't know if Kane's going to be 100%, and he's not in a position to risk that with this roster that he has right now playing as well as they are playing right now without someone occupying that final spot in their top six. So he went out there got the best player available he could for the price he was willing to pay, which was 40 cents on the dollar. Maybe less. Maybe less. And again, like... I know Tarasenko had to choose the Rangers. Like, he had to be like, I'll go to the Rangers to waive his no-movement clause, but still, it's it's Yeah, still like, insane. the Rangers... The, uh, but again, like, the Blues could have been like, cool, we'll keep you. Like, we're just... T- like, I feel like people do forget that yeah, some teams want to move a player. Like the Sabres wanted to move Taylor Hall. They made a promise to him when he signed that one-year deal that if they were out, they would move him. That's that. The Blues wouldn't have been the first time they just walked a star player to free agency. They kept Petrangelo, and he left as a free agent. So it's not like the organization has this mandate 
that they have to trade everybody. At the same time, they were in a playoff race, they traded Shattenkirk. So it's an organization that, like, they understand what they want to do, and they don't usually let other players tell them what they should be doing. So they did not have to trade Tarasenko to where he wanted to go. They did not have to say yes to the trade package the Rangers got. I don't know if Jury made the Buchnevich trade and said, one day I will come calling and you will do the Godfather a favor, but maybe he did. Like, maybe he said, you're going to have to pay this I back do, eventually. I do wonder if it was like, hey, I know how good this deal is, but when the, <laughs> when, I, when the time comes, you got to look it up. What do, you, what do you think that conversation was like with Doug Armstrong picks on the phone? He's like, Army, buddy, remember that deal we made? Ha ha. How fun <laughs> was that? So, uh, listen, Ooh. listen, uh, I told you you'd owe me one, and uh, here I am. I'm calling in. I'm calling in my favor. I'm cashing money in the bank. Oh God! It's just, it is just so. We we made it about twenty minutes, so I think we can do it now. I just want you to understand, in, in the deep, deep root of my soul, Ryan, how fucking annoying it is that this is the podcast. I'm getting choked up. <laughs> <laughs> it's sad. It really this is, is sad. This is the podcast. This is the Monday after Lieber Hayek gets waived. And nobody puts in a waiver claim, and we can't even joke about it. We can't even laugh. <laughs> I mean, it, the world it's is so cool sad and unusual. It's so sad. We this should be years. We should be fucking partying, man. Years, yeah. The first five minutes, Greg. If this happened on June third, we would do an hour. <laughs> an hour? Yeah. Shit. Whole... We 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 we'd be like doing a live show somewhere for three weeks. We would talk about labor high being waived and not claimed. It's like uh, one of the most unbelievable stories in sports. <laughs> it's crazy. Well, it's it's unbelievable because it's so believable. We've spent so many – we had gotten to the point with Lieber Hayek where we had convinced ourselves that he had value on the open market. It is kind of strange. He was, he was playing well. I don't he, know, no, just, but not just that. Like We had told ourselves he had to have value because there had to be a reason the Rangers were afraid to try to pass him through. And then the first time they pass him through – not God. a fucking peep. Not one team. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing. They're like, and cool, man. Good for you. I hope, I hope he goes him. down and scores 30 goals in two weeks in Hartford. I just hope he rips it off. I, this is one of the uh, stories I want the most. Oh, God. We just... God. If if you told me before this year started that the Rangers would finally waive Lieber Hayek in 2023, we would get to the new year, and you would tell me that there would be so much drama surrounding the New York Rangers that we wouldn't even be able to joke about it appropriately, I would have, one, punched you in the face, two, For sure. not believed Assault. you, and three, cried a little bit? Yeah, it's like, what? I, how, I need to celebrate this moment. I made my career on Libra Hayek. Ugh. The kayak himself. May he paddle on. Uh, let's talk about... Let's do it. ...the actual drama for the day. Uh, so we don't even have to do much on this, to be honest. We can well, just we've done piece. it so many times, right? Yeah. Like, isn't like, that look, part of the problem here? Like, look, I think we're, we're obviously talking about Vitaly Kravtsov and requesting a trade, probably likely through his agent, Dan Middleton, because uh, Jury doesn't leak things. It's not a surprise. And Kravtsov played one game. I thought he was, like, if I was giving a player rating, like a 4 or 5 in the game, he was fine. The Rangers won 6-3. They were very awesome. I don't think he did anything wrong. I didn't go back and watch the tape extensively, but there was never a point where I was like, man, Kravtsov, that's getting your ass benched. And he got benched again. So the trade arrest came. You and I have talked about this endlessly. Gerard Glant seemingly likes certain players. Maybe it's the soft on the puck situation. Maybe it's not the physicality of the game. Maybe it's he's not a fourth line player and he refuses to play him on the fourth line. Maybe that. But to me, at least 
this is a both sides situation. Uh, Kravtsov has messed up in certain situations, ruining the relationship. Jury did a great job mending the relationship and bringing him back over. And then they still couldn't find common ground. Uh, and I want to be honest, a lot of the side, at least this year, in my opinion, was at least for, in the forefront what the Rangers were doing to Vitaly Kravtsov. He didn't really get a chance to prove himself. He was very honest and vocal about wanting to play to prove himself. He didn't really demand the playing time. He didn't go out there and earn it in, su- in such a way where they couldn't take him out. Um, so, I listen, it's both sides situation. I think it's time for the divorce. I'm ready for it. I'm ready to not talk about Vitaly Kravtsov anymore. I do think he'll end up being a middle six player somewhere. I think he's got talent. I think he's got offensive upside. Could he score 20 goals in the NHL someday? Absolutely. Still super young. A lot of kids don't make it. I totally get it. Um, but the value's totally gone. And I'm not really sure where, where to go. I just wish they would have given him, especially earlier in the season, like 10 more games just to see what happened. Uh, I, it's been such a long season that we do forget that Kravtsov picked up two injuries really early in the year at times where we thought he would be getting extended run. Like, I think his first injury happened game either one. opening night or the second game of the no, year. No, Hedman put his uh, neck Is that opening the... night, right? Yep, yeah. his opening night. And then he missed something like 10 days, two weeks. I remember the two games he got injured because they were our first two playback games ever and got injured opening night on playback. We waited about two weeks, did a second playback, got injured again immediately. And then I, it, you can't blame a player for getting injured. But the circumstance, it, it, we've talked about this in the past with Phil Heedle too, where Heedle would always seemingly pick up an injury when it felt like he was finally getting his feet under him. And then if it, were, if it was Quinn or if it was Gallant, it always seemed to move him back down to the bottom of the pecking order, where when he, come ba- he came back, Things had changed. Other players had started to do things or lines had been mixed to a point where Gallant wouldn't feel comfortable going back to the original lines, which is the only thing he has seen Kravtsov do. So now he doesn't know how to use him or where to use him or if he can use him. Um, I Like you said, I, I, I hate being the both sides guy, but this is a both sides situation. If you ask anybody, even the... Biggest Vitaly Kravtsov sympathizer. And I don't think we're the biggest. I think we're there are not. people out there bigger than us. But if you ask them honestly, has Vitaly Kravtsov lived up to the expectations you had for him when this season started, they would say no. Now, I will caution that by saying the people who can't stand Vitaly Kravtsov or think he's a bum, he has not been that bad. He's been... Every now and then, you meet a player who is just painfully fine. And the Rangers... To me, it's like it, Kravtsov has been painfully fine, but you had expectations for him to be more. So when like when Colin Blackwell is painfully fine, your expectation for him is to be nothing. So when he becomes painfully fine, you view that as a step forward, as a player exceeding expectation, as a player rising to the occasion. With Kravtsov, he's been painfully fine, but we were hoping he'd be pretty good. And it's like, I the, the thing I compare it to, it's like, if a guy's hitting 250, yes. it's not a bad batting average. And if, if it's a guy you called up from the minor leagues and he's hitting 210, but you expected him to hit 160, that's an improvement. Kravtsov, we were expecting to hit like 280, and I think he's hitting 245. It's not bad. It's probably league average. But I was expecting a little more. I was hoping for a little more. 
And because of those expectations, it now clouds my judgment a little bit. But again, like, Ryan, I, just go back to Friday night. That was a fully healthy, fully stocked Ranger lineup. Was Vitaly Kravtsov one of the 12 best forwards the Rangers had? It's a clear yes. And that, that, that answer is a clear yes on Saturday as well. To me, it, honestly, if this was Cooley versus Kravtsov, I think I'd be more willing to accept the answer being not Kravtsov. Because we, we talk about this with Nico Mikola, right? It is a Gerard Gallant-style player who does Gerard Gallant-style things that Gerard Gallant likes. So, fine. If you want to put that guy in your lineup who checks a lot of Gallant boxes, but also does a lot of the little things really well, plays a tough game, brings something offensively to your fourth line that was lacking before, does not get beat defensively. Like, he's a, he's a perfectly fine player. I like him as a bottom six forward for this team moving forward. I think he fits on this current roster. To me, it's it's just like Phantom Jake is a fucking ghost. Like, he's not a player. I, I don't know what... I can't even criticize him because he doesn't exist. He's a fart in the wind. Like, he... What are we doing? Why uh, is that the very player? Very strange. Why, why, why him? Like, it's... It's, um... He'll be a great trivia question in five years. He might right, be a great trivia question next year. <laughs> he needs to record a stat to be a trivia question. Like, at this point, you're just going to be like, who's the that's guy that true. played 15 games for the Rangers in 2023? That's not true. Sammy Blay is a trivia question, and he didn't record stats. Sammy Blay had assists, Ryan. He had four, but he also Fine. had zero goals in 15 games. That's infinitely more than Jake. <laughs> Phantom Jake. <laughs> All right, uh, let's get to a five-star question for the week, and then we'll get to our interview with Shane and Goldman oh, while man. Greg dies in the background. If you yeah. want to leave a five-star question, you can go to our Patreon, subscribe, go to the Discord, go to the five-star questions channel. It's a lot of steps, and leave a five-star question we read on the show. A whole, whole lot of new people in the Discord this, this, this week. A too. lot. Uh, first of all, thank you all for joining. I really appreciate it. we got like over 120 new subscribers Gonna uh, need the Rangers to make another trade. That, that's yeah. essentially what it comes down yeah, to. Yeah, we first of all really appreciate it, but we really need the Rangers to do one more. So we can do another emergency <laughs> to get these yeah. these Patreon subscribers up. Because if numbers don't go up, we have to sell our stock. Oh, um, that's how capitalism works. But uh, really cannot thank you all enough. The support was incredible. It's still stupid to me that people um want to hang out with us, which is crazy. Uh this is from Blue Gooner. What does the Dylan Cozens contract mean for Heedle, similar to Stutzel deal? and makes sense for Buffalo. If the cap increases and it continues to develop, Rangers cannot play to the quote-unquote prove-it card anymore and lean on being cup contender to get a discount. Can I, can I be honest with you, Ryan? Yeah. I, I'm done having this conversation until after the year. That's I'm done. Like, just, yeah. I, I get it. It's going to be a headache. It's going to be a nightmare. It's going to be something we spend a lot of time talking about between the Rangers getting whatever happens in the playoffs and whenever the offseason starts. It's going to be all we talk about. I get it. I think, guys, you are allowed to live in the moment in the now and just say, this team's fucking good and I'm going to have some fun. I don't know what's going to happen with Phil Heedle. I don't know what his contract's going to look like. It's going to be expensive. I just don't want to care right now. You, as a sports fan, something changed in the mid-2000s since Moneyball where, like, you, your fans get more worried about winning three cups and they forget that they have to win the first one. I think a little bit. Where I it's just like, want one. Yeah, like if the Rangers win a cup this year and Hedl goes cool, I'm leaving. 
great. Great. Benefits God, God bless you. We'll hang yeah. you up in the. We'll hang you in the rafters. Yeah, it's wonderful. <laughs> I, that sounds good to me. I'll, I just, I'll fly you. I'll fly you personally. I don't know how to fly a jet. I'll learn how to fly. Yeah, to I just get something. You you something. Want. Something has changed where it's like it's all about whether you can win multiple. And I'm like, motherfucker, can we win one? Can't we enjoy this? The Rangers. As great as this season's going, they haven't even clinched a playoff spot yet. Can't I enjoy this ride before I have to worry about what my ride's going to look like in three years? Agreed. Let's keep going. From Dan from LI, can you guys interview the Ocho? No. No, he's a fucking bum. If you guys keep putting him on my timeline, I'm, I'm blocking you. All right? If, if, and then this goes <laughs> That's for on the me ins- a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But it goes for the insider chat, too, because they, they put him in there a lot. If you guys start sharing... Mickey eight tweets in the insider chat. I, I'm, blocking funny. I'm blocking you. I'm blocking you. I'm I'm tired of it. Like is- <laughs> it, was, it was it was cute and funny a while ago. Now it's fucking annoying. It is crazy to tweet about Patrick Kane at three a.m. on a Friday night. Um, <laughs> C Nuggies, not that I follow or, or or check the times. I do. C Nuggies twelve. Have you guys noticed Panarin lingering on the ice much longer than all of his line mates when there are shift changes? Maybe it's just the game against Vancouver, but I feel like it's very noticeable. I have not noticed this. I have not from time I to time. Up. Honestly, when um. When he was out first with on the on the first goal he scored with Trocheck on Saturday, I had assumed that it was the Panarin couldn't get off the ice. I I don't have I just want to be clear I don't have a problem with it. If Artemi Panarin wants to stay on the ice for sixty minutes, I consider that a win for me. Um, but yeah, I I've noticed it. I just I I don't know why he does it. I, I I don't know what to credit it to. But I also just don't want it to seem like I think it's a problem. I think it's perfectly fine. Whatever. Whatever Artemi wants to do, that man can do it. He is better at hockey than anybody besides Adam Fox. I'm going to, we, we kind of talked about, Batshot 27 asks, like, uh, in summary, like, how do we keep this team together? And I'm just going to reiterate, like, what Greg said. Like, there was plenty of time to talk about that, but right now, let's enjoy the ride. This is from Trocek's Greatest Defender. Amazing name. I'm admittedly a huge, huge Trocek lover. You don't what? say. You mentioned, <laughs> you mentioned Heedle versus Trocek. Now you spent a lot of time looking for a player that could adequately fill for what Heedle does if he breaks out this year. I'd argue that a player that could adequately fill in for Heedle if he does truly break out is equally necessary and hard to find. Heedle is already a pretty extensive injury at, at, at 23, but is Trocek not the perfect 3C who could flex the 2C when necessary later when the cap goes up, assuming Bettman isn't the biggest liar on the planet? I just want to be happy about a guy who is currently the fourth most productive player when he's playing, even though he's still playing like shit for us. Again, I think people are confused that we're upset that Phil Heedle is playing this well and the Rangers still have Vincent Trocek. Like, they're not in competition with each other. Again, this goes back to, like, my live in the moment. Just because one's playing really well and one is, like, the guy playing really well is Phil Heedle and you're worried he's not getting enough ice time, like, what a great problem to have. That, that you have three centers who are magnificent. The Rangers have never had three centers. They barely had two. So, like, I, I, I do get frustrated that people feel like Trocek and Heedle are in direct competition because there's no problem to me where one line is the kid line, one line is Zibanejad, Tarasenko, and whoever the fuck they want to put on the right wing, and the other line is Trocek. I'd prefer not Jimmy Vesey, but Jimmy Vesey's been pretty good this year, and one of Chris Kreider and Artemi Panarin. Those sound like three great fucking lines to me. So, I, no, I don't think it's a problem. Like, this was a conversation we had in the summertime because we were trying to think more long-term than I think Chris Drury was at the moment. But, like, again, this goes back to in the moment, like, you're allowed to be happy. I, I promise you. It, it, it won't 
It won't cut your nuts off if you just smile about the New York Rangers from time to time. This is from uh, Matt Jackson. Percentage chance Drury got the NBA and NHL deadlines confused. 100? 100%. <laughs> no, because again, like, in-season Drury, we have to give him all the flowers. You have to give it to you have to give it to him. I I don't know. It just it just worked out that day. I, I, do you think James Dolan, the Knicks traded for Josh Hart the night before, and I'm sure Dolan would have loved it if the entire day was about how the Knicks are reuniting a championship backcourt from Villanova. Like, he would have eaten that shit up. I'm sure James Dolan, as twisted as he is, got a little annoyed that the Rangers stepped on the Knicks parade a little bit. I know. It's, it's pretty funny. It is pretty funny. Uh, this is from... From our friend E Mike or an Espist Mike, I can't say that. Uh, um, how did you guys get the Messier to do the intro? It's because he thinks it's the best Rangers podcast, and he's right. We That's definitely pretty... didn't pay him three hundred dollars. No, we didn't pay three hundred dollars on Cameo. He <laughs> he legitimately were friends with him, and he uh, and he he thinks he thinks that. So That's yeah, good. I was like Marky Mark. It's the Funky Bunch. Yep. I Decker nine nine eight asks was was taking blade for boots the start of Drury's master plan? <laughs> we did talk. It really about that. is like small domino to big domino. It is. Uh, and then he fucking, well, you know what? That's how fucking stupid the New York Rangers are. You know what we didn't joke about? Sammy Blaze scored a goal in his first game in St. Louis. I know. There's so much good content this week that we can't even get to all of it. Sick oh, my it. God. What the fuck? It's from Gooses. Which, is couple, which couple is more in love with each other, Mika and Kreider or Drury and Conditional Picks? Ooh. Dude, Ooh. Two budding romances. I, As someone that also has an affinity for a Conditional Pick and traded for one today in our Dynasty Baseball League, you did. I got to tell you, I think Chris Drury is onto something here. He is. I still think Mika and Kreider. There's a lot of questions this week. No, not a shock. Yeah, but here is, who? I think Tarasenko and Panarin is going to rival Mika and Kreider. Like it's going to get close. Well, because I, there's something there's it. something more forbidden about Tarasenko Panarin. Like they're <laughs> Russian. There's the a chance that love. like at times in their lives they weren't sure they'd be alive, and that makes their love stronger. Next question is from Jplay. <laughs> is it time to start testing line combinations? Well, you wrote this before the Saturday game, uh, in case someone gets hurt for the playoffs, or is it time to best build chemistry as it relates to Tarasenko? I Honestly, I, I the whole team is so good, and they think they know what lines work and what doesn't. And I think they have backup lines at this point. It just, just it, I, do you think? Here's something we didn't really talk about yet. Do you think it warranted moving Panarin down and Kreider up on Saturday? Like, do you think that line was not playing well? No, I think the line was playing well. I thought they were fine. Like. Panarin, if he nets that top corner snipe that just went a little high and a little wide, are we breaking up that line? Like, Panarin was cooking. I want to I tell you that Gerard Glantz saw something and he was like, this is the adjustment I need to make to win this game. And I just don't, I just can't believe that. No, and I think all he did was piss off Artemi Panarin. <laughs> and it worked. Well, credit to, credit to Gerard Glantz then, if that's the case. It worked. Yeah. Uh, uh, Brian asks, is this team good? Yep. I think so. I think I think we're all right. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, there was some repeat questions here. Uh, this is for Gray Red. My question is really is why why is there always a guy that everyone and their mothers can't can tell can't play, but the New York Rangers coaches decide to keep them to a, a, in detriment of young talent. Howden, Hayek, Harper, Phantom Jake, and on and on and on. He didn't write Phantom Jake. He wrote decision. Phantom Jake. Uh, I. It just that's hockey culture. It's like that's yeah that that's hockey, Susan. I, I, I wish I wish there was a deeper answer for you. Uh, there's not because this, just think 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 of it from another sport perspective. The Knicks, Fournier never plays. Like they've given up on Fournier. They gave up on Derrick Rose. 
Like, an organization that usually is late to give up on players. And I think if you ask Nick fans, they were a little late on Fournier and Rose, but they did give up on them. And they don't they don't care. They sit on the end of the bench, they exist. Um, baseball, bad players don't hang around, usually. Though Darren Ruff is about to enter spring training with the New York Mets. So this is kind of flying in my face a little bit. Um, I don't, but with hockey, hockey, it's more noticeable than anywhere else. And I think it's because coaches go out of their way to say nice things about the guys who stink at the bottom of their roster. Like go, it's because someone like Kravtsov exists and isn't playing that we're even registering a phantom Jake opinion. If this was Brodzinski over Kravtsov, we'd still have a problem with it, but we'd be like, yeah, Brodzinski does a couple of things, though, right? I don't think this is a hot take. Rather have Brodzinski than Phantom Jake. No shit, Ryan. Like, yeah. one of them's a hockey player, and the other one's an empty jersey. Uh, okay, uh, just two more here real quick. From Brettley, the Tarasenko extension conversations makes a little to no sense on a good day, but in the scenario where the Rangers get super close but no cigar, do you guys think they make a one-year deal and run it back? I think no, they'll, ta- there's I'm something... Ta- I'm tapping the sign, Ryan. I'm tapping the sign. They'll explore that. Tap the sign, but they'll explore it. Uh, there's so many more questions. Just do like one or two more. From Maddie Jack, of course. By the way, great job, Maddie Jack, wearing the Get Sam Rose on Blue Shirts Breakaway hat. And, and also throwing it on the ice. And throwing it on the ice. That was fucking awesome. What is this team missing for both of you to believe they have a real chance of making a run? I'm good. Uh, I'm good, buddy. Uh, two things. Coaching adjustments? That's be cool. I would just say a coach. Sure, a coach. But, listen, and, honestly, and puck though, luck. Puck luck's the other thing. Can I tell you that there's a part of me that thinks, to a certain extent, um, Gerard Gallant has to be the guy to raise the cup for the New York Rangers because our history indicates that it has to be the coach that's the final obstacle in order for us to get the cup and we have to win in spite of the coach. Like Mike Keenan benched Brian Leach in the playoffs. Benched him. Brian Leach. That's him. one of the most incredible stories. Imagine Adam. Imagine what we would do if Gallant was like, oh, Adam Fox I got to bench Adam Fox. <laughs> yeah, and then and then go gets up there and doesn't say like this game was out of hand and I tried to take the tires off Fox so he can rest and instead says Adam Fox is the reason we lost tonight. I throw up. <laughs> I kind of want it. There's a part I, of me that's sick and kind of wants it. I would throw up. Uh, all right, there's a couple. There's two or three more five star questions, but they're too long. We've done done too many. We'll get to them. Uh, all right, I think that's it. Let's get to our good friend Shana Goldman, and we will uh, we'll transition there. Transition. And this episode is brought to you by TickPick, the official ticket sponsor of Blue Switch Breakaway. I don't know if you saw, we announced our official tickets partnership on the podcast two weeks ago, but on social last week on the day of the Vladimir Tarasenko trade. And if you go and retweet the video of me talking about the trade, this Thursday, the 16th, we will be picking a winner to get two tickets to the Ranger game. We're working with TickPick. Uh, listen, I've been using TickPick for years. I wish I was telling you this is like this is something that's not true, but it is. Since, I think, 2016, I've used TickPick hundreds of times. Hundreds might be an exaggeration, but but a large, a large, a large amount. And the best part about TickPick, no fees. You go on the website, you see exactly what the price is as they are. There's no surprises. You could even go by deal score. I love the deal score. I actually loved it. One of my favorite tricks is right before the game, go to the deal score, try and get like last second cheap tickets on TickPick. It's awesome. I love it. So go to TickPick, use the code BLUESHIRTS at checkout. It's good for $15 for any of the first time purchases in the app. In the app, that's very important, in the app. And uh, we love TickPick. So go 
retweet that. Hopefully, you'll win some Rangers Rangers tickets. If not, don't worry. TickPick and I, we're going to work together again. We're going to get more tickets to give away this season. So, TickPick, thank you so much for sponsoring the show, our official ticket partner. Blue shirts at checkout in the app, $15 off. Back to the show. And we're back with our first and only guest of the day, Shayna Goldman, NHL insider from The Athletic and other places. Shayna, how are you? I'm good. Insider, wow. High praise. It's not high praise. You've literally broken more trades than some people. They're literally insiders. <laughs> I, thought, I thought Ryan was going to say it's not high praise. Have you seen the state of insiderdom? Like, do you want to be one? I was pretty close. Like, yeah. I mean, you could have re- you could, you could take it in any way you want. I, I you should take it as praise, but sheesh. You've had a, I like belief, Gossip uh, Girl not, a lot, so I'll take it as praise. Yeah, you've had like five plus serious Ranger trades broken. So I'm just throwing out there. No big deal. <laughs> Uh, so, uh, thanks for joining us on the show. Speaking of that trade, uh, the, uh, a player named Vladimir Tarasenko, ever heard of him? Uh, uh, no. Has now, Nico, has now Nico, played... Nico now Nicola Aracia. This is fucking ridiculous. Nico Nicola? Yes. Um, <laughs> is, <laughs> the names are just the best. Tarasenko is now playing for the Rangers. You had the full package first. Uh, I mean, to me, Shana, and I'm sure your reaction was similar, uh, this was A-plus masterwork by Chris Drury. I, I I find it very hard to believe they'll find a way to extend Tarasenko, and we will have those conversations as, as the year goes on. But for right now, uh, can't think of a better fit for this team. What is your analysis of the trade, and what do you think about Vladimir Tarasenko's fit on the team? So, with, quickly with the contract situation, I am very. I had this conversation like yesterday too with someone. Like I, it's not the craziest thing in the world to think that he could actually extend because he has made his money. So it really depends, you know, like it's, it's different now than it was, you know, players made their money at a different point in their career. So it's always interesting to see, like, does a player look at it and go, well, I cashed in already. Now I can just go cheap and, you know, bounce around and contend to places that make me happy. Like that's something that'll be interesting to watch, but strictly on the trade. uh, I think it's a really good fit. I think that it's one of the rare times a rental may make more sense for New York uh, versus anything else because we know they're going to have rising costs this summer because they have Heedle's contract to consider. He's already been there, done that with the bridge deal. You have Kendra Miller. You have a big question there. Do you go bridge deal and then let it bite you in the ass later, but you get flexibility in the interim? So, or do you just go for term? Like, those are the things they legitimately have to consider. So, while Timo Meyer is great and wonderful, the best player they could have gotten, absolutely. And if they could have done it, I'm sure they would have tried. Um, you know, it makes sense. It's logical. And it also, again, it doesn't block the right side if they feel that, you know, that's a role that Kako and Lafreniere or anyone else can really take on in the next couple of years. So from that perspective, that's all great and wonderful. From an actual fit, it really does make sense because, you know, he's at his best. He He's a pure sniper. He's really good at driving to the slot. That's, that's a skill right there. If you can get to the quality of areas of the ice, that's a skill. If you can receive passes and shoot them, that's a skill. And if you can finish those chances, it's even more so of a skill. And he has all of those skill sets combined, but he needs someone to assist him in getting, you know, in, in feeding him the puck. He's not the puck carrier. He's not going to do all the dirty work. So that's where someone like, I don't know, Artemi Panarin comes in, who's an elite playmaker, elite in transition. So it makes a ton of sense. Um, and even if not Panarin, players like Zibanejad are good in that way, and Kreider's really good at transporting the puck. So the Rangers do have options with that. And obviously, do we jump to Mikkel, or are we setting that aside for a second? No, I, I think it's worth jumping to, because I obviously anytime we talk about this trade, 
the first 85 to 90% of the trade should absolutely be talking about Tarasenko. He's the guy that's probably, hopefully, going to have the much bigger impact. He's the star. He's he's the guy that makes bringing in Miko Nikola possible. At the same time, I do think you have, we as a fan base or, and we as people who talk about this team should give credit where credit is due and say that it was a really good job by Drury to identify a prototypical player Gallant wants to play in that role and find, at least try to find, the best possible version of that player. So it's not like, right, We the three of us sit here, we talk all the time about how much we like guys like Niels Lundqvist and Zach Jones. But it's very clear that Gallant wants a certain type of player playing on his bottom pairing. And Drury, whether it's giving up or whether just saying like, all right, fine, he went out and tried to identify the player that best identified those traits. And I think that's how you end up with Miko Nikola. That makes a lot of sense and is super logical and it is a good way of putting it because, you know, Chris Jury does have a couple options. He could dig his heels in and say, I am your boss. This is who I've handed you. You will play them. And that's the end of the, you know, that's the story. But we also know how Gallant will respond to that. It's happened before. It happened in Florida. It did not go well. So that's kind of like this slippery slope. And it's not ideal for any general manager to be in. But if you hired Glenn, you knew this was a possibility. So it's kind of like you can't sit here with egg on your face not knowing that was going to happen. You have to make the best of it unless you have a superior coaching option in the wings, which they might feel that they don't. So you have to find that middle ground. Definitely a better option than Ben Harper. You get size, so it you know replaces having that big, strong defenseman on the third pair. And with Mikola, that's interesting because it's going to be a totally different environment for him. He's someone that, you know, St. Louis has tried in different roles. And if you look to last year, they were rolling Scandella technically as a first pair defenseman with Colton Pareko because they didn't have another option once they had uh, Justin Falk and Tori Krug playing together. And it never worked out because it was too big of a role. But the other problem was Pareko at that point in his career, the way he was playing, wasn't a true number one either. And then you go to the systems of St. Louis and things like that. So you know, their defense has been out of whack since Petrangelo left, honestly, because they've never replaced their true number one, and it's trickled down onto the rest of their blue line. Even when they put Mikel into a lesser role, that lesser role had to take on more because of how weak the defense has been. Their only answer has been adding Nick Letty. So I think the acquisition is good for him in particular because it's going to give him a chance to shine in a different role that's more sheltered, ideally with a better you know, situation and scenario than he ever had in St. Louis. And we could see how that all clicks and see if he can reach his potential because sometimes that's all a player needs. Back to Tarasenko for a moment because uh, he's the player I'm excited about. Uh, <laughs> I've seen a lot of Blues fans and just NHL general media talk about how it's been a down year and things are turning downwards for Tarasenko analytically as well, of course. And do you think that could have just been part of his line play and not having a player like Artemi Panarin to be able to pass him the puck and get him into zones he's never been able to before of course now remember in the second game Panarin did not play with Tarasenko that was just it people were asking if he was benched but I have to assume they're going to be playing together again at some point what do you what do you take from maybe it was a change of scenery or what Tarasenko's play was before he got to the New York Rangers so I like looking back at the last two years you know as the sample of Tarasenko at in this age range and at this health level because we know before that he was not 100% had lingering shoulder problems that required you know multiple surgeries so if we look just at the last two years we see how he thrived last year it was generally playing with Robert Thomas elite passer great playmaking center who occasionally could shoot the puck as well they had a little more versatility 
and oftentimes Pavel Buchnevich, which became that two-way threat who shot the puck a little bit more in St. Louis than he ever did in New York, and obviously a good playmaker as well. So that's where we see he could succeed the most. This year in St. Louis has been a little bit of a different story. Buchnevich hasn't been at his best health-wise. He's been their best player a lot of the time when he is in the lineup, but he's missed a lot of time. Um, There's been other injuries. There's been other problems systematically. There's been other underperformances. So it's all a mix of bad that I think has made it difficult to truly see where Tarasenko is this year and whether last year would be repeatable. I just don't think the environment is there in St. Louis. It's a team that pushed off retooling for so long since they didn't have that number one defenseman that it felt like this was the year it all came crumbling down. So I can't judge Tarasenko alone on this season. You know, I think it was a a problem that was greater than something he could ever fix, especially at this point in his career. So I think generally speaking, we're going to see better performances from him in New York versus St. Louis for this season. Will it reach the heights of last season? That's a really good question. Um, And something like, we really don't know. It depends on who he plays with, what minutes he gets, and things like that. This is not a player who should be playing against top defensemen. and top. Uh, but he might get that, especially if he's with Panarin or Zvanejad. This is someone who should not be taking on top forwards. He's not very good defensively. He really never has been, and that's something that I think has slipped a little bit more in the last couple of years, but it's something you can manage with minutes and you know uh, quality of teammates and all things like that. If he plays with Zvanejad, I think he's going to be facing against higher competition forward-wise than he should be. He shouldn't be going up against, uh, you know, top shutdown forwards. And those are the minutes that Zibanejad generally does get. So I agree. I think he's going to end up back with Panarin. And my original prediction was that he was going to go with Panarin and Trocek. So if the coaches feel now that Panarin and Trocek is the match you want to have together, there's really nothing wrong with that because we know Hedl works in the kid line. And I think we all know how good Kreider and Zibanejad can be together especially when it comes down to playing those tough minutes. They were the you know the pairing that did all throughout the playoffs last year and all throughout the regular season. So there's a way, I think, to maximize the team still, you know, and keep Panarin with Trocek and then put Tarasenko in that situation. Because in Trocek, you don't have this flashy center. That's fine. But you have someone who's good on both ends of the ice, can do some of the dirty work, let Panarin thrive in transition, set up Tarasenko, and there you go. Like, that is a formula I think that genu- uh, genuinely could work. Dana, the entire time we are having to deal with Patrick Kane rumors, a big factor into why it made sense for the Rangers to go after Patrick Kane. One was his chemistry with him back in Chicago. And then two, it seems like they have some kind of friendship and relationship. So I got to ask you, why did we never hear about the fact that Panarin and Tarasenko are apparently the world's best friends? Because we like to grasp onto narratives and never let them go and ignore the rest of the narratives around it because this could have been a dueling narrative the entire time. Um, And it's so funny, too, because with Tarasenko, that's not the only narrative that would link him to the Rangers. It's that they didn't draft him when they could have. It's that he thought he was going to the Rangers in the first place. You know, it's that he also controls his future because he had a no trade clause and he could have been, you know, the wrinkle in any trade conversation St. Louis had if they wanted to move him. And we knew they want to move out, you know, pending unrestricted free agents. He's someone that can control his fate as well and say, I only want to go to XYZ teams. And if you don't trade me, I won't accept it. That's going to lower the cost as well. If he said, I want to go to New York and the Islanders are out of the running and now it's left to the Rangers, the Blues could have gone, well, we need to do this sooner than later because our cost is only, you know, our our return is only going to go down. It's, it's a narrative that should have been explored a little bit more. And it feels like it was kind of poked at, but it was really never fully 
maximized the way it could have been and should have been. And it's because the Patrick Kane narrative dominated everything, um, which tends to happen. I mean, look, the Blues are like the, the little brother to the Blackhawks. So it does make sense from that perspective. We think more about Panarin and and Kane together because they played at the NHL level as well. And we don't think about, well, the international, you know, ring connection that Panarin and Tarasenko have or anything else. So it is kind of funny. But Shayna, if Gary Bettman calls the Chicago Blackhawks and gives them grant access to trade Kane to the Rangers, and then Kane says, I only want to get traded to the Rangers, and then two other teams retain salary, <laughs> we could still get Patrick Kane. All right. In theory. In theory, that <laughs> could absolutely Sorry. happen. But, you know. I saw a bunch of it, articles about it over the past week and some people tweeting about it. You saw one article about it from one person. No, 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 Jeez. no. There, there was, it was a Puckpedia tweet who I have a lot of respect for as well. Just so <laughs> oh, you can uh, case Come on, Puck. I'm DMing him as soon as we're done here. <laughs> it was a Puckpedia tweet. So uh, I, I just don't think the Kane's happening. Kane thing is happening now. I do expect one more move. I, I kind of expect the return of Tyler Mott. I do respect Vitaly Kraftsoff to be traded, which we'll get to in just a second. Um, what do you feel like the one more small move the Rangers will do will be? Yeah, I'm with you on that. I think it's going to be a fourth-line caliber player that's good on both ends of the ice because I think if, especially if VC plays higher in the lineup, which... Right, wrong, or sideways is completely a possibility, and I don't want to knock him in that. I, you know, I think he's very good in a bottom six role, so I really don't want to knock him. Um, I just think certain places in the lineup are a little bit more fitting. Um, if they keep him in the top six, though, you take away offensive upside from your fourth line that you should want to have. And if you can get someone that's good and have say a lower end version of the Tampa Bay Lightning third line, because it's going to be lower end one on your fourth line too, because it's Barkley Adrow two, three years later versus him, the years that they won the cup. Um, you're in good shape. If you can get another disruptor, you one can roll four lines a little bit more trusting. And it's interesting because the Rangers do have a situation where they can run three lines a little bit more and actually pull back on the fourth line. It's one of the rare times I think you can, because the top three lines legitimately can handle more, but if you want to have someone good like Tyler Mott, who's a perfect example of it, you know, that is your disruptor. That's someone that allows you to take some of the tough minutes away from Savannah, Jen, and Kreider, too, and free them up. Because we saw last year in the playoffs, like, there were no other options to take on those minutes. That fourth line could not handle it. So if Kreider and Savannah, Jed were getting hemmed in their own end every single shift, you had no one to take that off their shoulders. If you can have a fourth line that can just take a little bit off of that, you maximize your top six players to the best of their abilities. Shana, let's do it. Let's have the conversation. What feels like for the thousandth time, but <laughs> hopefully is the final time. Um, it we're, We are reaching an end point with Vitaly Kravtsov. We have talked about the who's, the what's, the where's, the when's, and the why's. So instead, why don't we just, you know, I'm sure Ryan and I talked about this earlier in the show, and I do want to hear your opinion on it. But first things first, the thing we can actually control, what can the New York Rangers realistically get for Vitaly Kravtsov, in your opinion? Not much. That's um, what I thought. Yeah, they could have handled the situation a lot differently. And <laughs> you even say. if we don't go back to the beginning <laughs> and go back to last year, we specifically focus on this year. They could have played him more consistently. They could have played him in those back-to-back games instead of pulling him when that line wasn't the problem because now that you did it, it looks like he is the problem. That's not the case. 
you're killing any trade value you possibly have in a player. And it's giving this, you know, to a point, there's some teams that are going to go, this is untapped potential that the Rangers are botching. Absolutely, you're going to have that. On the other hand, you have it if they weren't willing to use him and put him in their lineup. And now it's in a lesser role. Why the hell would we? So those are going to be, I think, the two schools of thought here. And he's barely played this year, so it's so hard to say. Well, he has potential to the teams that don't see it right now. He has this. He has the skill. He has that. Because you're not you're not willing to do it. You're not willing to see what that skill even looks like. So it's really tricky to say, this is how his skill has converted over to the NHL level. This is what he brings to a lineup. This is why you want him. But I mean, half the league passed on Ely Tolvanen. So it's not like... like and he was free. All you had yeah. to do was just pay him $1.2 well, million. They took the free guy. The decision. Have you seen him? <laughs> no. Oh, me either. <laughs> um, and I guess that's one of the reasons, Shana, speaking of decision, like why if I was Kraftsoft's agent, and I saw the Gerard Gallant quote from today that was, listen, we like the kid, whatever, blah, 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 but he's supposed to be in the top nine. He's not a top nine player right now, and I refuse to play him on the fourth. And my question is why? I'm just sort of confused about that. Like why is why is decision? I know he's a center. Like why couldn't Goodrow play the – play center and craft style play right wing is the is it the physicality that the he's got too much skill he's, he has to play more of a checking line situation um and i know he refused to go down to hartford and all that stuff last year and that was a big part of this like would he just refuse to play the fourth line but if i was his agent and i saw these players getting played over him too i would say the same thing like hey what like i, I know the ninth overall it doesn't matter anymore at this point but my 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 player has talent here like why aren't we at least giving him a shot right and you're right on that. And like, you know, the center aspect is definitely leading the conversation, I think, in some ways, because it shows if he's in the lineup, there's a chance Gallant might want to move him down. If you move Barkley Goudreau up, which is something he loves to do, you don't have someone to take faceoffs, which you can work without. You can throw someone out there and quickly change lines, especially if you're controlling the matchups. Like you can do, you can make it work mid-game for a period if you have to. But if you're thinking to yourself, I, I think this is going to happen five minutes in because I don't trust this player. Right, wrong, or sideways, that might be what he thinks. Then you have yourself a problem. Um, also because not all coaches are super innovative and not all coaches are willing to take risks like that. And he is not one of those coaches in either respect. He's not very good at adjusting. Yes, he adjusted the other day. Panarin happened to go on Trotrex line. They happened to score. It worked for them. And everyone's going to praise that adjustment. We can count on our hands how many times adjustments have actually worked from the Rangers coaching staff in game. We can count on our hands how many times they happen outside of games too. So, you know, that it's it's tough because, you know, this is this is who they have, this is what they chose, this is the situation they're in, and now management has to find a way to fix it. He should be in the lineup. And I think sometimes we get too bogged down by the idea of what a line needs to be and has to be. That fourth line doesn't have to be a checking line. It's not the line taking on the toughest competition. It hasn't been. So you I, could do without that. Yeah, I I know we've dealt with this with different players too, where like there I just I'm having a hard time truly thinking of a time where a player was so polarizing in the simple eye test evaluation. Where I watch Vitaly Krasov. I'm not saying he's been a dynamo this season. I, I had higher expectations for him offensively, whether I think it's his fault. He's not living up to those expectations or not is not even the conversation I'm trying to have. He, he lives, he leaves me a little wanting 
offensively. But I still think he's been perfectly fine. One of the 12 best forwards the Rangers have had all season, I would say. But then there are plenty of other people whose opinions I respect, mind you, that say he's been an absolute bum. He's unplayable. And I, I, I just, I, I, I'm struggling to think of a time where it's just, it, there's no middle ground. It's either he's been, it, it's almost like he's either, people assume you're trying to say he's been better than he's been, or that he's just been the worst player in the NHL. And I, I, I don't understand how there isn't anything resembling a middle ground here. So there's the Russian factor. Can't be ignored. Because players are called bums all the time, especially when they're European and they're skilled because everyone assumes they can't do anything else. Because if you're Russian, you must play this one way and that's it. And that's completely incorrect. But way it goes sometimes, right? That's just the fact of right, wrong, or sideways. That is what happens. Um, has he been amazing living up to potential? Absolutely not. Do I think it's on him partially? Sure. I'm sure he could have done more. But do I think it's on the situation, the coaching even more so? Absolutely. I think if he had a little bit more time, just like the game he just entered, he hasn't played in so long. You can't give him one game and go, well, that's it. There's rust to shake off. And if it were a Canadian or American flavor player, maybe they would have gotten it. Or if it was someone that they that they trusted, say VC was out for three weeks and then, you know, had a shitty game when he returned, he would well, still Sam, get the leeway. Sammy Blake came back from Hartford and laid one hit and they're like, that's it. He's fault. He's all showcased. We can- right. Shut showcased. up, well, if the Rangers Showcase were them. showcasing, though, wouldn't they do a crafts off at this point? Mm. That's like, what do they mm. have to lose? They're like, only showcasing Sammy Blay. <laughs> um, but the one player that comes to mind in this whole the eye test and what we you know hear about him don't line up. One player that does stand out to me, I think of Jared McCann when he got traded to Gerard Gallant's team as someone oh who he didn't find him appealing by the eye test at all and he would say things and i think it's because he knew it was a data-driven acquisition this is why he said it you know he would say things like his analytics say he's good i think if there was if that was a regular general manager and not your nerdier type general manager that brought that player in and said here is someone that could play center or wing has a good shot use him i don't think there'd ever be complaints about him but i think the fact that he was brought in as a numbers guy and a numbers acquisition, it was a bad taste from the start. And it went from there, especially because you look at who went the other way, was Erica Branson, who was someone that the coach absolutely positively loved in every which way. So that's the one player that does come to mind. And it's just a little you know, ironic. It's the same coach. But again, it's not surprising. If you know anything about Gerard Glant, you know these stories. So what can you do? Again, it's a general manager. Think, oh. Sorry, but just a no, GM no. who has to like find that middle ground with his coach because he's not going to win these battles alone. I don't think Kravtsov ever becomes McCann. Uh, I'm not sure Kravtsov. I, I'm pretty sure he's an NHL player. I, I can go that far. I know there's a lot of first round. No, I don't think he becomes aren't. McCann either. No, I, I think he becomes a middle six sort of winger that's very valuable for like two point four million dollars or something in a year or two. Um, he's not going to change your team. Or, or anything else. But this comes, everything you just said is something I, I'm not reporting, but I've been thinking about for the, I'm, I don't report. Wondering, I'm not reporting ever. Uh, <laughs> I'm never reporting. Uh, but I've been thinking about, and at least reading the tea leaves on it, and that is the divide between Gerard Gallant and Chris Drury. And I think it's been very obvious through quotes in the media, um, such as Drury talking about playing crafts off, and then suddenly and mysteriously, Gerard Gallant playing Vitaly Kravtsov for one game 
one game, and then he's out of the lineup yet again. We've seen this kind of over and over again. Have you gotten that same sort of hint, tea leave read, where it's like, I think there's something else going on behind the scenes here where this GM and this coach just aren't on the same page because you you said there's stories about Gerard Gallant. And I have to be honest, that's sort of his MO, and I think we're there. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I think it happened. It's pretty much like on pace for the timeline. And again, if you did any background, you would be aware of this. And I do wonder if Chris Drury was someone with like, a little bit more history as a GM, maybe the conversation's different too, because like this is a rookie general manager that a coach could say, well, I'm a veteran who's been around forever. I don't give a fuck about your input. And that is the the tricky part of him being the one to hire this coach. But I think this was, was going to happen regardless. This happened with George McPhee. That's someone who has been around for a while. It happened in Florida with, you know, a newer GM when it was Tom Rowe. That's one that's a little bit more anticipated, but I really don't think it matters. Um, the, the thing with Gallant is when he thinks he's a talent evalu- evaluator, which he often does, is when he runs into trouble. So I do think at times it is it could be management saying, play this player. And he goes, sure. But he knows he's not going to maximize that player and put them in the perfect position. He's going to do the bare minimum. Sure, here he is on the fourth line. And if he sucks, see, I told you so. Like, that's the vibe sometimes. But remember, The see, I told you so is perfect, Shayna. I, I don't want to cut you off, but that is the see, I told you so is Gerard Gallant in a, in a nutshell. Yeah, don't forget, it was reported, um, I believe the story came out after he got hired by Vegas, and it was him saying he thought he was going to get fired by Florida when he didn't, and he kind of was checked out as the coach at that point, and he just kept going. There was smoke, (laughs) there was a hot seat before... Do I think he's checked out now? I think he still wants to win. I think he's an incredibly competitive guy. I'm sure he still wants to win. But I think there's, like, a difference in the, like, what are you going to do, fire me? Like, you already tried that. Like, you know, like, and that's just who he is. But again, can't stress it enough. As much as we can criticize him for it, everybody knew he was this way. So you just have to figure out a way to handle it. And I think that's what Chris Drury is trying to do, with, which is here's my middle ground. Is that the ideal way to be? No. Do I think that should go on forever? Absolutely not. Unless the Rangers somehow win the Stanley Cup this year? Do I think Glenn should be the coach next year? No. I think it needs to be someone with, you know, I, it's it's the trouble for cycle, cycling coaches. You can't be surprised when they do the same things all over again. Some coaches evolve. Most don't. This is you one can't. that we know and Greg, very well. Greg, just before you go here, Greg, um, and one more thing to, to say, I, you know, I, I've had a lot of conversations about this where it's like, well, why can't just Drury just tell Gerard Gallant to do what he says? Um, that's never going to work. Gerard Gallant, they're peers. They're both played hockey. They're both, I'm sure Gerard Gallant sees himself as Drury's senior. I, I'm sure he sees himself as like, it's strange to take orders from Drury and that like they should be a partnership and that's just not the case. Like, but, he, Ryan, not he just might that, even think he's a better hockey player than Drury. And that might not, matter a lot. <laughs> not just that, Ryan. But it, it's how many times do we have to have the hockey culture conversation? And I'll have it just one more time. It's just, it's not hockey culture for some... Someone runs the front office and someone runs the roster. And that's just the way it's been TM in the National Hockey League. I We talk about it on the show all the time about how baseball has become more of a, of a sport where, you know, the front office and the manager on the same day are writing out the lineup card. The NBA front offices are trying to find the best five men combinations anywhere they can. And they'll tell the coach what their insight is and what they should do in certain situations but in hockey we're, we're just not there yet like we're, we're still in 1980s where like it's 
this is a reference you won't understand, Ryan. It's Herb Brooks telling <laughs> the selection committee that this is the roster I want. Give it to me, and I'm going to run it the way I want. There, there, there's no collaboration. I'll be the day there is collaboration. It, it'll be a new era of hockey. But like, I think Gerard Gallant operates under the assumption that you are giving me these 22 players, but you are allowing me to decide what to do with them on a nightly basis. And I, I think every time he bristles is any time Jerry tries to butt his head in and say, hey, by the way, I think this guy should be in over this guy. And then Glant goes, yeah, but I'm the coach. It's my card. I sign the lineup card every day. Do you want to sign the card? If you want to sign the card, you can get rid of me. Right. He can easily turn to him and say, this, I'm doing the job you hired me to do. It should be a more collaborative process. You know, there should be a division. A general manager doesn't need to micromanage their, their coach every single day, just as you don't want it that a president does that to a general manager, a general manager does that to an assistant GM. There has to be a division of power. Absolutely. But a little more collaboration could go a long way because when you have everyone that's really bought in on the same page and it does feel like the Rangers front office is starting to get there under Drury and it, it's a process because this was not, you know, everyone under him, one of his hires. Um, you can see, though, a little bit more harmony within because you have, you know, similar ideas and you should have different opinions in a front office. You should have someone that might be your hardcore scout traditional as can be and you have your by the numbers person but they can still listen to each other and collaborate like that's how this should work certain you know front offices have that balance the front offices that have someone with a more data-driven perspective as an assistant general manager they they're getting there because it's it's bringing in a different skill set same with the we're watching the eye test and we're watching these players and now we're just also going to look at the numbers to back it up like that's the balance you're looking for if you have that at the top it's going to trickle down but if you have a coach who really stops the buck there and goes it's not trickling down here you have yourself a problem but again it's not surprising it's something that they had to anticipate and try to find a way to work around um do i think the rangers are the most innovative and progressive front office no but i think that they've made some changes to get a little closer to that. I think that it's not as traditional as other teams in the league might be. Um, You know, I think we see some with more creative and different names in there that are a little less traditional. Sure. But like, I think with the Rangers, it doesn't, it it's to the point, it doesn't matter because there is a coach who can turn and say, well, I'm doing the job I was hired to do. And you'd be right in saying that, but you should have found a, coach who then is a little bit more willing to collaborate instead of but the ironic part of it all is like Gallant is a coach who will turn around and say I want X player get me them I Jared think that's is a player like that I think so. Trocek was a player like that it's just my two cents I if you think Gallant wasn't um informed that they were going after Vincent Trocek it's a player he loves like I don't know makes you think um on top of that Shana uh, to, to some of your points there Drug Lant was handed a roster, and I think this roster right now, and I'm sure you might agree with me, is this the most talented roster the Rangers have, I don't know, in the last 20 years had? Like, well, I can't, I can't even name a, a more talented roster off the top of my head. I'm sure people are screaming. But uh, no, I, I, I do think you're right, though. I think we were looking at last year's team as like one of the most skillful teams because the Rangers have had elite goaltending, they've had good shutdown defense at times, they've had some good hardworking forwards, but it hasn't always been elite, elite, elite at every position. And right now, you have Panarin, you have Zabanadred, you have Kreider, you have Fox, you have Miller, you have Shesterkin. Like, that's a really strong core. That's before it- we even mention the kid line. That's crazy. Exactly. exactly. They have, and 
why is this team better than last year? Well, last year's team we knew was weak the entire year. They had problems at five on five. They had to bring in players at the deadline because the kids weren't as developed and they didn't progress as much. But look at the difference of Philip Heedle now from a year ago. It's everything and more than what he was. And Lafreniere, sure, he's behind the curve of where everyone expects him to be. And I'm sure where he expects himself to be. But there's been some progress there. And Kako, I think there's definite progress from. Miller is better than he was a year ago. Adam Fox is better than he was a year ago. So even if the players like Panarin and Zibanejad, you could say, you know, are kind of stagnant from last year, and that's at a very high level, it's the team around him. And now you add in Tarasenko. Now you add in, you know, a more capable third-pair defenseman. All of that does add up. And then, you know, let's see what they do moving forward. Do they add another fourth liner that could take this team up a notch? There's a way to maximize this lineup with the amount of talent they have to have a really good contender. Will they do it? That's another conversation entirely. But from skill alone, this is a much better team and a much different, com- differently composed team than they've had in years. Shayna, um, I know we all we all take the Hurricanes seriously. They're a very good team. They've been very good for a while. Why does it feel like I never have to worry about the Carolina Hurricanes as a New York Ranger fan? I think that the Hurricanes are a team that everyone should worry about. Um, but... I think the thing is that the Rangers have seen so much of the Hurricanes and they're not that different from what they are, like have been. When you think of the Rangers losing to them in the bubble, they're a very similar team to that because they bought into an identity. And I don't think you see this very often in a league where a team's identity lasts as long as the Carolina Hurricanes has. This is their style of play. This is what they do. And they're just going to keep working on it. The trouble for them right now is, they're weak down the middle. That's something they weren't before because the second line center position hasn't worked out. So we have to see how they change that. If they do it all come the deadline, they don't have that elite finisher that they were hoping to have. That's something that they've always been behind the ball in. And they could have, if they could get a stronger center or a really high end winger with really good finishing talent to complement the hardworking two way play that, is what defines this team, then I think that they're an even bigger threat. But right now, I just think it's that from a Rangers perspective, anyone who covers them, anyone who watches them has seen so much of them and they don't look much different from the team that lost to them last year. Shana, you're so gracious with your time. uh, And I really appreciate you taking the time to speak with us lowly non-insiders. It really means a lot. Uh, moving, <laughs> Get moving, lowly non-insider you. Okay. <laughs> uh, moving forward, uh, this team. This is my. Uh, this is my. Just kind of wrapping it all up, especially with the drug land. This team is one. I don't know. Was it twenty? They're twenty-three and four in their last whatever amount of games that adds up to twenty-seven or something like that. They've been absolutely insane. The talent is higher than it's ever been for some reason, and I don't know why. Gerard Gallant had a quote earlier this year that said, "I just I'm here to win games, not develop." And yet you just did make a case as to why certain players had developed. And also yet, I still don't want to give him credit. Is that I don't me? either. No. Cool. I'm glad we're I'm interview players... over. Shayna, thanks for joining us. <laughs> <laughs> no, Go players are players are skilled. Players have potentials. Players have high ceilings. Adam Fox probably didn't need a coach to hit his ceiling. He was that damn good. Some players do need a good coach to help them. I think there are a lot of players in New York that could arguably have a better skills coach and be miles ahead of where they are right now. But there was always a talent there. They got put together. They performed on their own. The thing that helped them in ways was the fact that Glant doesn't like to change the lines much, so they found chemistry. 
So anytime they put back together, that chemistry still exists. They know each other. They're comfortable with each other. It's a matter of giving them more minutes to so see much where spite. they can build on it. But yeah, there there are some players who genuinely develop thanks to coaching. I don't know how much credit I would give in New York. And I think a lot of people would give more. Just like some people gave David Quinn credit for Adam Fox. I think Adam Fox was going to be a superstar no matter where he went. So... I just the the thing that I will I'll let you go after this. The thing that sticks in my craw is the sticks thing in, that I'm sorry what st- 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 stuck <laughs> in my craw. craw. It's uh it's slang for butthole. Keep yeah. going. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Know, you'll understand when you get older, <laughs> right? Um, but the the thing that the thing that really jumps out to me about Gallant this year in comparison to last year is we would come on the show once a week, and it was just a stark contrast to David Quinn where the Rangers went from a coach who seemingly changed lines after five minutes in the first period to a guy who really towed that line between stubbornness and trust that the lines he had pregame would be good enough to get his team to the finish line. And we appreciated that. It was probably the nicest thing we said about Gallant all year. And then this year, it honestly feels like he panics. And he panics even more when he makes a decision that he knows is going to be unpopular in the front office. So think about it. The Rangers, I think, played better on Friday night than they did on Saturday. He takes Kravtsov out of the lineup anyway, and the Rangers are kind of just coasting through that first period and a half. And I think he makes the move to Panarin down and move Kreider up because he knows if he doesn't win that game, Jury's just going to be pissed. He took Kravtsov out of the lineup and there's, but he won. So now Jury can't say shit. And he, he thinks that, but it's just, I don't know. I've never seen it from a coach before where like, this is not the same guy that was coaching the New York Rangers last year. And the only thing I can think of that has changed for him to be this different is he realizes like his ass is on the line. I don't know about that, honestly, Um, because I think the thing with him is like, so something I was told right when he started in New York was that he's so trusting of his players. And that's a good thing because he'll let them get a chance in those minutes. And we do see that with veterans. But he's too trusting sometimes where he lets them sit too long. And then on the other hand, I was told he will have his favorites. That's who he's going to pick. And it's going to be certain types of players and the skill guys and the young guys and the ones that are unproven are the ones that are going to suffer from it, which we've seen as well. And I think it's been a combination of that. Um, I do think that there's a point, though, to he wants to be right in the changes he makes and that he doesn't have to defend them, I'm sure. But I'm sure that's true for a ton of coaches. You make the unpopular decision. You want to dig your heels in and make it clear, like, I did the right thing and you can't say anything otherwise. Um, Is it panic? I'm not sure. Is it that he knows they need points? It's possible. Um, it's a really interesting thing. And, you know, he's not, I don't take him as the type of coach to like walk out when he has egg on his face and be like, well, yeah, I made a bad decision, blah, blah, blah. Like, it's not going to happen. And I don't even think it would happen like five years of reflecting after my career type thing. It's just, it's odd. It's, it, he's definitely a little bit more, uh, adjustable this year than he was last year with certain things. 
But I think down the stretch, we're going to kind of see that come to a halt. I think in the playoffs, it's going to be like the same thing. And last year when he did adjust, it was like, well, this is the only other combinations he's willing to adjust to. And we're still seeing that to a point. If they're bad, it's going to be Barkley Couture or Jimmy VC moving up in the lineup. It was similar last year where you knew Barkley Couture was moving up in the lineup. If they're, you know, playing poorly, it's someone like, you know, Kako, whose numbers, you know, are going to go down or Kraft's off or someone like, like that. All of that is still kind of the same. But it's just interesting how he does make a couple more in-game tweaks than before. But again, I don't know how much we'll see that down the stretch and in the playoffs. And if we see a huge change from last year, like you can color me surprised, that's for sure. Uh, just to just to wrap this up, a stick in one's craw. This expression is the modern version of a sticks in one's giz- gizzard, gullet, or crop, all referring to portions <laughs> of animals' digestive systems. Did you really Shana, not know this was a saying before? Like I, no, I, I did. I just it. wanted to know where it came from. That's oh. all. I never yeah, heard not- it. I'm, it's blowing my mind that I I, I used English Shayna hasn't heard before because she's much smarter than I am. That's <laughs> and an insider as well. I, I just, um, <laughs> Shayna, cannot thank you enough for joining us. Uh, you anything fun going on sometime too soon? Something like that? I don't know. You tell me. Yeah, I do. Um, we're doing fun things with too many men, so stay tuned for that. Uh, we have hey. tomorrow coming out with well, or today when you're listening to it, Rod Brind- Rod Brindamore, and we have. Some fun things what? coming up, and <laughs> yeah, Sarah. You're gonna just Sarah like go across that, like yeah. Sarah interviewed good friend, friend of the podcast, Rod Brindamore. That'll be on the podcast. Oh, that's running wow. technically today, uh, and we have some fun. I'm not, things I'm not coming saying up. that's why I, I I was making the Hurricanes point that I was making, but maybe that's why I was making the Hurricanes point I was making. <laughs> and um, I have some stories. I have a lot of stories. I have a lot of writing to do. Actually, I have one coming out when you listen to this about. Team cores and how much teams pay Ooh. for their core are expected to get out of their core and kind of how it stacks up. And I made tiers around the league for it. So you'll see the teams in win now mode, what their cores look like, who's maximizing the value of them and teams with, you know, facing a clock or those the next wave of contenders and what their cores look like and things like that. Ooh, that's good, especially because Filipino needs to sign a long term contract. So that's going to be super fun. Shayna cannot thank you enough. We will talk to you soon. Always appreciate you. Everyone should follow Shayna. She's an insider in case you're wondering, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye, Shayna. Thanks for having me. Bye. Hey, it's the end of the show. So you know what I do? I think the NHL Insiders Offer Sheet Club, there's 81 of them now. I cannot believe I have to read 81 names, but it's worth it because without these people and all their other Patreon subscribers, we could not do this podcast. Legitimately, we would not do it. Um, so without further ado, let's read all these names and I'll give a, uh, give a little nice takeaway, a breakaway takeaway, if you will. Adam Cassie, Adam Cohen, Adam Cortulo, Adam Linder, Alan, Adam Keach, Alex Flynn, Alex Carter, Andrew Rohner, Anthony Terragata, Ben Waters, Ben Weber, Bill Olson. Wow, nice. Bill Rattel, Brennan Lackos, Brennan Magnum, Brett Granger, Bill, Brett McGinnis, Brian, Di- Broy- Brian Doyle, Brian, I'm so sorry, Brian Gallagher, Brian Mallon, Chris Finelli, Chris Haru, Cesar Stelwick, and Connor P. Damage. Damage? Damage? I think that's the first time I've ever said it like that, Conrad. Daniel Dayzen, David Nerrin, David Siegel, Dennis Dites, Darian, Eric Stagg, Garrett Rannis, Kim Gardner, Cup, Garrett Gretzky, Gareth McFly. Hayek waivers happened before Ryan watched Miracle. Wow. Wow. An absolute destruction of a, of a name. Harrison Hasco, Hip Hip 89, Ian Rodriguez, Ian Usher, James Masker, Jerry and Marquez, JD, Jean-Jacques, Francoise, Jean-Jean. I think that's the best I've ever done that. Jimmy Mack, John Hardesty, John Shea, Johnny Thundercock. Jordan, Josh Kestenbaum, Chris from Florida, Christoph Berg. Continuing. Lazik Gronowski, who did get some merch from uh, from Keandre Miller. The Keandre Miller staple line, rather. 
I think that was insider information. Lieber Kayak, or Lieber's Kayak now on waivers. Lou Giordano, Matthew Goodwin, Matthew Kai, Meatball the Cat, Mike Bucklaw, Mike Manascu, Mancuso? How did I say Manascu? That's incredible. Nate Hanafi, Neil Grover, Nicholas DiNicola, Pascal Perrier, Paul J. Smith, Pavel Kodarev, PJ Sisparo, Pro World Tex Gamer, Randy Tester, Steve, Stigbull Box, Weingart, The Drop BK, Tommy Sinclair, Tommy O'Neill, Tori from Manhattan, Twist, Tristan Wells, Upstate Vin, Vin <clears throat> what am I, Greg? Upstate Vin, Vinny Bracco, Vinny Hay, Will Spector, and Winston, the Golden Retriever. Not my fastest time. A little tired after Super Bowl in Philadelphia. May have stayed out. Uh, didn't have a rooting interest for either team. Would have liked to see Philadelphia win, mostly because I wanted to see the city go absolutely crazy because I live here. Um, that wasn't the case. Walked down Broad Street afterwards, and uh, really solemn. A lot of sad faces. I'm sure Giants fans listening right now are just nodding. Yes, I love that. Uh, but yeah, uh, man, Super Bowl. Such an interesting situation this year. Great game. Just will never think of it as a great game because of bad call. Super unfortunate. The Rangers, though. I said it twice this, this podcast. Never a better roster. Super curious to hear your thoughts, by the way. Was there ever a better roster? I don't. The 94 roster was not better than this. Just like, was it one of the Gretzky rosters? Don't think so. Gretzky was on him. He's old. Don't know. I don't know. But this roster is loaded. Uh, and and it's going to be funny because there's a West Coast road trip game this year, this week. Last of the season. They're nightmares. 10 p.m. starts. Canada gets all the fun. And this team, when it loses, if it does, it's going to be like kind of a, a letdown. Like, hey, this team lost. Yeah, the Bruins lose and good teams lose. And the, this Ranger team will lose again, of course. But I'm kind of in such a high place right now with this team. It's going to be a, kind of a shock when they lose. I can't believe I'm telling you that on February 13th. Oh, yeah. Happy Valentine's Day to all my Valentines, which is all of you. Every single one of you. Let your significant other know that I'm uh, I'm part of it this year with you. Uh, I'm with you always, as they would say. So enjoy the Ranger games this week. If you could stay up. If you can't, I totally understand. We'll, we'll cover them next week on the podcast. We'll have BSBOT on Thursday. Love you guys. We'll see you then. Happy holidays.